Welcome to the Jewish Lives Podcast, a new monthly show by Jewish Lives, the prize-winning biography series published by Yale University Press and the Leon D. Black Foundation. I'm your host, Alessandra Wallner. In each episode, we'll explore the life and legacy of an influential Jewish figure. Today, we're looking at Karl Marx. In the second half of the show, I'll sit down with Shlomo Avineri, author of the Jewish Lives biography, Karl Marx, Philosophy and Revolution. If you like what you hear, leave a friendly review and rate us on Apple Podcasts. Thank you in advance. You can learn more about our books at jewishlives.org. Join us as we explore the Jewish experience together. Karl Marx, champion of the proletariat, revolutionary thinker, inspiration for many a protest and more than a few political revolutions. Most of us have encountered this man in one way or another. Maybe you read the Communist Manifesto in Poli-Sci 101, or maybe you've heard one of his famous quotes. The proletarians have nothing to lose but their chains. Working men of all countries, unite. Or maybe you hid under your desk during nuclear drills when the United States fought a cold war against the Soviet Union. This is the Kremlin, citadel of Russian communism. Ever hear of Karl Marx? In his mind, And still, we read Marx, still reference him, and ironically, still make and sell products stamped with his face and his words. Why? Born in 1818, Karl Marx was many things. Philosopher, economist, historian, sociologist, political theorist, and journalist. But he was most famous for his revolutionary ideas about class struggle and capitalism. The fascinating thing is, Marx was wrong about many of his predictions. Yet, he still had, and has, a huge impact on world events and many fields of knowledge. When it comes to Karl Marx, the economist Robert L. Heilbronner said it best. We turn to Marx not because he's infallible, but because he's inescapable. How can we begin to understand him? Marx's radical and revolutionary ideas didn't come out of nowhere. He believed one can't understand a theory or ideology without understanding the era and place that sparked it. The same is true of Marx. To understand him, we have to look at where he lived and when. Karl Marx was the grandson of two rabbis, and his family, like families in many Jewish communities across Europe, faced major challenges after the French Revolution. The story of his father's conversion to Christianity is complex. And the experience had a significant impact on Marx's work. 
This is one of the many topics explored in the New Jewish Lives biography, Karl Marx, Philosophy and Revolution, by Shlomo Avineri. Professor Avineri joins the Jewish Lives podcast to talk about Marx's ideas in the cauldron of those revolutionary times. You can pick up a copy of Avineri's new biography at jewishlives.org. Dive deeper into the story of Karl Marx with the new Jewish Lives biography, Karl Marx, Philosophy and Revolution by Shlomo Avineri. Save 25% plus get free shipping. Use the code MARKS at checkout, only at jewishlives.org. Hi, Professor Avineri, and welcome. Hello, hello to you. The first question that I want to ask you is, what is something you'd like people to know about Karl Marx that they don't already know? Well, I don't know what people know, but let me make two points. First of all, uh, people have to distinguish between Karl Marx and the former Soviet Union and the way in which he was used and sometimes misused by uh, political followers or other uh, political movements. That's one thing. The other thing is, uh, Karl Marx was obviously not a Jewish thinker, but he came from a Jewish family. There is a background here that has to be looked at, and this is one of the things which I try to do in the book. And when Marx is talked about, his Jewish background is often overlooked or misrepresented or just not known. Why is that, do you think? Well, Marx was born in a city of Trier, and the Jewish community in Trier uh, enjoyed, under French rule, equal rights. And then in 1815, the... um, region was annexed by Prussia, and the Jewish community was basically de-emancipated. And Marx's father converted in order to become, or not to become, to remain a lawyer under Prussian rule. Uh, When Marx uh, himself was born in 1818, his mother was still Jewish. So by, if anybody cares about the halakha, uh, certainly according to the halakha, Marx was born Jewish. Later on, his mother and he himself, when he was five, were baptized. The fact that this never appears in Marx's correspondence or in any diary or in any other of his manuscripts suggests that this was something about which the family didn't want to talk. But I was trying to trace this, and this uh, leads also to one of Marx's famous, if you wish, infamous early writings on the Jewish question, which he published uh, when he was 25 years old, which is a very strange and unpleasant uh, piece of writing. Because on one hand, Marx argues that Jews are allowed, should be given equal rights. But then in the second part of his essay, he criticizes not Jews, but Judaism and Christianity as being responsible for capitalism. So how do you square the two parts of this essay, on one hand calling for equal rights for Jews and insisting that they do not have to convert in order to enjoy equal rights, and on the other side uh, saying some pretty nasty things which were used uh, by a lot of people uh, against uh, Marxism, against Marxism, against socialism. Hmm. Especially when reading about the history of the Marx family and then Karl Marx's theory that to be a human is to be a maker, Homer Faber, not homo sapien, not someone who knows. It starts to change how you think about where he might have gotten 
the passion that he did for this position. This is really a major issue in Marxist philosophy. Marx has argued that what distinguishes human beings from other animals is the fact that human beings create the means of the satisfaction of their needs. They create new needs, and this is history. The needs of lions in the 11th century are the same needs that they have today. The needs of human beings today are different from what they were in the 11th century, and they were uh, different even from what they were 20 or 30 years ago. Professor Avinari, I wanted to ask you a little bit about the process of writing this book. And I see you've been writing about Karl Marx since your first book came out about him in 1968. And so I'd love to know where your interest in him started and what has sustained it for all these years. Well, now we're moving from Marx's biography to my biography, which is not that interesting. But uh, I grew up in Palestine, British Palestine, and the young Israel as a member of a socialist youth movement, uh, which was socialist and Zionist. And the idea of a socialist commonwealth uh, was part of the ambience in which I grew. Do you remember when you first read Marx? No. <laughs> uh, I don't remember, but I'm trying to, to reconstruct. And you also, I see, translated Karl Marx's early writings into Hebrew. Can you talk a little bit about that? Well, that's an interesting issue about the study of Marx. Um, Marx did not publish his early philosophical writings. And as I tried to show both in my early books and also in this book, Marx reads social, uh, socialism not through a study of the working class conditions, but through a philosophical argument about what are human beings. And it was at that time that I wrote my first book uh, on Marx, and it was at that time that I also translated Marx's early writings into Hebrew, which were not known to many of the Israeli socialists at that time, the Israeli socialists. They didn't know about it. They were quoting Stalin. They were quoting Lenin. And if I may say so, I think that some people uh, of my generation uh, helped to humanize Marx, to bring Marx back to his uh, intellectual origins, which were in the European philosophical tradition. Speaking about humanizing Marx and also this biography being about the man and about his life, you bring out a few interesting facets or facts about him that make him more of a human. Um, he had a maid that he had an affair with. He and his wife somehow managed to stay passionately partnered for so many years. Um, he had a lot of physical ailments. There were a lot of things in this book that made him feel like a person. And I'm wondering, was that a new way for you to see him? Not really, uh, because, look, like every human being, uh, Marx had his virtues and his flaws. Uh, but when I was talking about humanizing Marx, I wasn't meaning humanizing Marx as a person, a family man, but humanizing his thinking. Uh, as he said in one of his early writings, uh, philosophy gives the proletariat uh, its ideas. Uh, the proletariat gives the philosophy its political power. Mm, I see. And despite being so familiar with this figure and this subject, what did you learn that was new about Karl Marx in writing this book? Because this is a biography, I learned things that had to do uh, with uh, some aspects of the Jewish connection. 
I never asked myself 30 years ago, why was it that Marx's first published writing is on the Jewish question? We're reading it now. Uh, I understand why the issue of Jews being deprived equal rights unless they convert to Christianity troubled him. He never said it publicly, but he made the argument. And let me add uh, some other aspect, which uh, I found out only while uh, doing research on this book. Uh, like many Jewish people, the Marx family didn't have a surname. Uh, Jews were known by the patronymic. Uh, under the French Revolution, they had uh, Jews in Trier, had to adopt civil surnames. Now, the Marx family were Levites, they were Levi. If it wouldn't have been uh, for the French uh, administrative decree that Jews have to have surn civil surnames, Marx probably would have been born Karl Levy. And I think uh, it is not absurd to argue that uh, a philosophy called Levism uh, wouldn't have the same resonance like Marxism. Can you imagine people saying, I'm a Levis-Leninist, or I'm a Levist or anti-Levist? It wouldn't fly. Marxism sounds better. I have one last question for you, which is, what would you ask Karl Marx if you could? Something that you have not been able to find out in your research. What would I have asked him? I don't think that I would have asked him anything because if I would be able to talk to him, I don't know whether he knows what has happened since the time he, di he died. So I would probably take him for a walk around Jerusalem. Well, thank you so much, Shlomo Avineri, for joining us to discuss your new book, Karl Marx, Philosophy and Revolution. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. The Jewish Lives podcast is made possible by the Leon D. Black Foundation. Special thanks to our partners at Yale University Press, Jewish Lives editorial director Eileen Smith, series editors Anita Shapira and Stephen J. Zipperstein, project manager Rebecca Keyes, and to Linda Brennan, Allison Bloom, Morgan Gruer, and Ruby Elliott Zuckerman. The Jewish Lives podcast is hosted and produced by me, Alessandra Wallner. Our music is composed by Barry J. Cohen. Groucho Marx once said, Outside of a dog, a book is man's best friend. Inside of a dog, it's too dark to read. Watch for forthcoming Jewish Lives titles, including Irving Berlin, Houdini, and Stan Lee. Learn more about our books at jewishlives.org.